I'm Kimberly Hayes Day Muga. And I'm Amanda Day. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Season 2 of the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. We are a dynamic duo bringing you insight and knowledge into the ever-evolving world of grants, development, and fundraising. Full disclosure to our listeners, though, we're so Southern. Don't let that scare you. <laughs> you might hear a y'all. It happens. Mm-hmm. This podcast is brought to you by Season 2 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. Don't let grants stress you out. Their team can help you with grant readiness and training, grant research, grant writing, and grant mock review. Visit their website, www.dhleonardconsulting.com to learn more. Today, we are going to talk about conference planning. And before you ask, okay, what the heck does that have to do with grants and fundraising? Bear with me. I'm not asking because I know this, but y'all go ahead. (laughs) Many of us work in the nonprofit field or maybe even the government sector. Mm -hmm. And we have a fun-filled line as part of our job description. You know the one I'm talking about. Other duties as assigned. Oh, yes. That evil phrase has allowed me to add all sorts of fun experiences to my resume, such as wedding venue complaint manager. How does that grab you? Because that has a lot to do with development and fundraising and grants. (laughs) I'm moving on and I'm in recovery, so thank you. (laughs) Um, I've learned when you're good at writing in local government, you find yourself in charge of the city newsletter, as well as sometimes serving as ghostwriter for the mayor or other elected officials. I can see there's a little bit of relation there, but it is surely not uh, putting you in the green time for writing grants, is it? That it does not. Mm-hmm. So. But anyway, we digress a yep. little here. Uh, today's topic is conference planning, because if you work for a nonprofit, you may get roped into planning a big conference yep. or workshop. True. In fact, Many of us have written grant proposals for programs that happen to include a conference or a workshop. So whether you have to write about it or you have to implement one yourself, it's a good skill to have in this world of ours. That was me making my scary noise because, (laughs) anyway, um, there's another podcast where I wax poetic and not so much about fundraising events and the planning. That was episode three. Yes, Lord. But conference planning also takes a lot of time. And. I'm going to brag on my buddy Amanda here for the past many years. She has led the charge for the Southern Regional Grants Conference that started in the metro area, but is now crossing state lines. I know, exciting times ahead. Um, Kimberly and I are both members of the Georgia chapter of the Grant Professionals Association. Mm -hmm. And many years ago, I kept encouraging the board at the time to plan and host a local conference. Like basically every year, I'm like, hey, y'all should do a conference. Y'all should do a conference. And finally, they looked at me and said, you know what, Amanda, we're busy. If you want a conference, make it happen. Mm -hmm. Um, So first of all, be careful what you wish for and ask about, you know. Or you'll be, yeah. You're like, why don't y'all do it? And they're like, no, why don't you singular do it? So go ahead. Uh, But the good news is they were like, but you have our total support. And they really were helpful. So um, I've chaired the committee every year since our first one in 2014. And Kimberly has served on the committee in some capacity or another pretty much every year. Um, So we have some thoughts 
um, to share on how to get started and some lessons that we have learned along the way. Ready, children? Here we go. Okay, so a quick little background on our conference, the Southern Regional Grant Conference. Um, it is a local conference for grant professionals of all skill levels. Um, and the whole purpose was to provide a local affordable event for those individuals and agencies who can't afford to travel to big national conferences. Because that is that is the downside of working sometimes in local governments and nonprofits. There ain't tons of money for professional development. Even though there should be. Yes. There really, really should be, mm -hmm. if you're thinking about it. I heard something today I thought was fascinating, not uh, this past weekend. Um, someone was saying, you know, when a boss says, you know, well, what happens if I invest all this time and money into, you know, the learning and the professional right, development right. for my staff? What happens if I do that and then they leave? Yeah, but let's think about what happens if you don't and then they stay. Or... They, yeah, they stay and it's bad because maybe they don't know what they're doing because they yes, don't have the tools to never, do their job. never learn. Or another wrinkle, they leave anyway because they don't feel like they are given the tools to do it. So Absolutely. it just, y'all, invest money in your it's professional development. Run, so. All right. But that's the whole reason. And we're not the only chapter. There are chapters across the country that do this. Um, and so if that's something you're like, man, I would love to have some professional development. There's no money around highly encourage you to check out the Grant Professionals Association and see what local conferences and things are happening. And now um, I know if you're like, hey, I'm not a grant writer. I'm just listening to this because because I love you both. We thank you for that. Yeah, we love you too. Love. Um, also, um, if you are in fundraising primarily, then Association of Fundraising Professionals also has local chapters, including a very active one in Atlanta. And there yes. are some conference, there might be some regional training and workshop opportunities there. So, Oh yeah, the GPA is not doing anything that no one else has ever done before. Right. This is a pretty standard model. Pretty so much. if you have an organization you're interested in, definitely check that out. Um, another thing about the um, conference committee we've been involved with is it is 100% volunteer. Mm. Definitely mm. a labor of love, y'all. Mm. Um, so we don't have any staff to help with this. So mm. it's just people who have to be willing to invest back into our profession. Majority of our conference planners include members of our chapter. That's sure. pretty much who we lean on because it's a chapter event. And all proceeds go back to our chapter. And then we use that money to do scholarships to help people attend the National Grant Professional mm -hmm. Conference, to sit for the Grant Professional Certified Exam and those sorts of things. So um, we just are basically furthering the grant profession as best as we can. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Another thing, and Amanda touched on this earlier, you're going to need a committee. And you may be like, well, Kimberly, you're an introvert. What are you doing talking about the benefits of committees? And I'm like, well, let me tell you. Then you can spread the love. If you are in the leader, you can delegate. And in fact, you need to have a leader. And Amanda has been our leader for so many years because she has the vision, but she's also really good at project management. I'm a taskmaster. Well, I was trying to be polite about it, but yeah, she'll drive you right into the ground, but be so polite. It might even bake you a pie. Um, so we talk about pie so much on this podcast that has nothing to do with pies. And now I'm hungry. Um, so again, a leadership person like Amanda that has a vision and also is able to delegate and get things done because you can't, be all things and have a full-time job and a family and other demands and get this done. You have to be able to delegate. Yes. And if you're like, I don't know how, one of the best ways to learn is to be on a committee like something like conference yes. planning. And then you're like, either I delegate or I will die. Well, okay, maybe not die, but 
Yeah, you don't have time to everything. And you that's, know. be be smart about picking. Like, the very first year, since they told me to take it and run with it, I went to the five people that I had worked with before and trusted that yep. if they said they were going to help, they I knew help. it wasn't in word only. They actually were going to do what they promised. So you definitely, I mean, I may lead the charge, but trust me, without five or six key people, you can't it would never it happen. Yeah. So in addition to those, so you've got the leader with the vision, you've got the key members who can move forward with pieces of that vision. I'm avoiding the slices of pie scenario, but in my mind, I'm thinking about it. And then you need lots and lots of volunteers to help with the more, the, the, the many tasks that come up and that are more finite. Yes. Just getting stuff done. Right. Yep. And I think throughout all of this, it's important to have realistic expectations and goals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our first year we did our conference, our main goal was we want, we want good training and we want to um, not break the bank. So, I mean, oh, it, I think, it was simple. The first I think year. I was president of the chapter that first year, and I was like, we can do this, but we are not losing money. Yes. And I think I might have used that tone, but I was all for taking a risk, but we couldn't go into the red because at yes. the time that really wasn't yeah, we an couldn't option. Afford it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. speaking of, it's important to know how much money are we working with, you mm-hmm. know, to start with. And mm-hmm. obviously you need money to start because you've got to put deposits down. Yes. There are things that have to be paid for. Um, and you also have to know how much money we're working with and how much are we lo- willing to use when you're taking a chance and ours was we wanted we wanted to lose nothing we wanted to break Um, even worst case scenario was break even that was our risk averse moment Mm -hmm. there and if no one shows up what's going to happen so we Mm. we looked very heavily at what is our you know what our cancellation policies Mm -hmm. and we kept a tight eye on membership our registrations rather coming in right as that drop dead date of canceling things and not having to pay out the nose. Um, so you got to pay attention to those sorts of things, especially your first year. And we also considered, okay, so what are things we can get for free or at a discount and take, I hate to say take advantage, but definitely take advantage it's of not those take, sorts it's of leveraging, things. It's leveraging. It's a volunteer organization. It's yes. like, what can we get for free that won't make us sell our souls exactly. and fulfill the requirements? You want to make sure you're not watering down the quality of your conference. So your mind may be a whirl with all the different things to keep in mind. But let me add another thing to your mental calculus, which is timing. So y'all, all all y'all, please listen. Everything takes two to three times longer than you think it's going to take. That's just life. It's Atlanta traffic. It's conference planning. It's um, uh, putting your kids to bed at night. Oh, it's getting things work done on your home. It's it's. Golly, it's all everything. Everything takes longer. This is no different. So the time to get excited about conference planning is not three months before the conference itself, unless you are want to doom yourself to a hellish cycle of never ending things that never quite get done. Please (laughs) give yourself plenty of time to sort of set up the when and the where, because you're going to have to back in all the time to market the event because you could have a great venue and great speakers. But if you've waited till the last minute, you can't let people know about it. They're not going to know and they're not going to show. And there you are. Yep. And so like Kimberly said before, I am all about committee work and kind of delegating. Um, And so kind of how the first time I did this, the way I broke things down is, first of all, I wanted a handful of people who were going to make all the major decisions. Mm -hmm. Because if you invite, I'm all about inclusive and inviting everybody. But when you got 30 people, you're Mm -hmm. never going to agree. And so you just need some key folks, which, of course, included the leadership of our chapter, which is why Kimberly got pulled on the first year. I think the president and the treasurer were both involved with that. Should be, should be. And other key members of our, our folks 
So we're the ones that are kind of making the main logistical. And it's not even, you know, how much should we spend on lunch? It's more of when are we going to have it? Where mm -hmm. are we going to have it? What types of speakers are we looking for? Who knows people we can invite? How are we going to advertise? Some of those major decisions need to be made by your main committee group. You're not okay. even filling your buckets of time and tasks. You're actually deciding what the buckets are named, if that yes. makes sense. Perfect. You're putting your Perfect. buckets mm -hmm. out in a row. Yep. And then your subcommittees, once you've figured out all those buckets, your subcommittees typically is going to include a member of that major committee. Yeah. Um, so the, the vision kind of gets carried out no matter where, but it's going to include as many folks as you need. And, you know, some committees may be two people, but some of them may be 10. You know, we, we try to stack heavy things like the marketing committee, yeah. um, but like our registration committee, Really, we had one person that, because, I mean, you just have to check and see how many registrations are coming in. That wasn't a complicated thing. I'd like to insert my misanthropic nature right now and say, here's the deal. I, no, I don't hate people. That's misanthropic. No, I no, just. You are a very kind and loving lady. Yeah, but I, 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 I'm going to preach a little bit because also what you need to realize is if you have a committee of 10 people. They're probably going to be four people who do the work, and there's going to be one person who has a family emergency. Then they're going to be some people who straight flake out. Oh, this is true. And don't tell you they're flaking out, and you have to figure it out. So just when it's, I'm saying build in time, embrace the flake and know what's going to happen and build your teams accordingly. It's like group projects back in college. Oh, we love those. I, I am shaking my there's head. There's no one. Yeah. Yes, because especially the me, the A plus overachiever student, I, I'm always like, <laughs> great, now I'm going to do my level of work for myself and probably two other people because out of this group of seven, there's going to be two that. They don't care. Bitter, yeah. party of one. Your yes. table is ready, bitter. Yes. Table's ready. So anyway, just keep that in mind. Yes. But I think part of what helps with that is we allow, when we opened up our call for volunteers, we allow them to self-select where they want to go. Because you're going to go where your passion is, which means you're more likely to actually do the work versus being told you're going to be a marketer. Because I'd be like, I know nothing about marketing, so I'm just going to sit there like a bump on a log. But you want, me, you want me to plan the fun social outing the first night of the conference? Oh, yeah, that's all. I, can, I will <laughs> the, handle that. The one that. that I avoid and go, yeah, we're going to have a great time. Bye-bye. Bye now. Bye-bye. Too funny. But also, Amanda, she's also, again, you, she was the person with the vision behind the scenes that was doing the project management with her five deputized individuals. So, it, you know, the, the other volunteers are self-selecting, which is good. And that's the way you can maybe see the flake factor in different people and decide whether or not maybe next time they're part of the, the gang of five that's getting stuff done. You and, see what I mean? Yep, I'm just, you know, it's just a thing. Yep. And either way, you know, like Kimberly says, give yourself plenty of time. We always try to plan at least a year out. Not that it totally took a year, no. but just when you've got volunteers that already have things to do, things sure. are going to take, like you said, longer than you thought. So always. We, to make sure everything was staying on task, we do monthly check-ins um, just to make sure we're rolling along. And those were phone calls, right? Do we do oh, absolutely. Calls? Phone calls. And if you, let me tell you, just Google conference planning oh, line or... Um, Nobody's got to pay for anything. Everything's free. That. Yeah, I've got a free line I use all the time. Oh, and um, if you want to pay to be able to record things, okay, you can they, certainly okay, add those benefits on. But I, I use the free stuff, yeah. And when we do have those calls and when we're planning everything, you need to make sure you're focusing on the most important thing. So at the beginning, mm -hmm. that's what you need to figure out. What is the reason behind what we're doing and what are the main things we want to make sure go well? And so for us, again, the whole reason is we're trying to put on an affordable conference. So we wanted to make sure that every decision we made as far as, again, what time of food we had, where the event was, exactly. how much we paid for things, 
all that's going to directly affect how much we have to charge for registration. So we were trying to keep cost as affordable as possible. Because again, we weren't trying to make money. This is different than a fundraiser. Yes. We were trying to offer educational opportunities that wouldn't put us in the red. And if we had extra money in the yep. bank at the end for next year, great. Fabulous, yep. And then the next thing was was quality speakers. For us, that was the big thing. If people came, even if they may be upset that we serve sandwiches instead of you know pasta for lunch, which those things happen. Um, you can't hear me rolling my <laughs> eyes. I wish you could. I wish oh, we had yeah. a sound effect for rolling the eyes back in the head. Anyway, like my ahead. mom says, you keep doing that, they're going to be stuck back there. Well, Kimberly. For good reason. Well, yes. just give me a little scene, I pony, and we'll just move on. That's funny. But anyway, so, but we were focusing, we figured if we were delivering good content and you walked away having learned something, then it was a successful conference. So to make that happen, we wanted good speakers who were not only imparting good knowledge, but you actually are willing to sit for an hour and a half and listen to. Mm -hmm. Another thing is we wanted to create networking opportunities, bringing local professionals together. Cause I don't, you know, for me, I think my career really took off once I started to finally meet other grant professionals that I could call on for help and assistance. And they, in some ways, those folks taught me more than even any workshop or class I could ever take meeting. Cause people. it was ongoing support. Absolutely. And even if it was more just a, you know, a, camaraderie we've been there we feel your struggle and your pain and your strife so then you at least i'm like okay at least i'm not going through this alone kind of a thing so you are not alone okay we're back okay and then location we really wanted a lo location that suited most and i said most because it, in metro atlanta no matter where i have it if i move it on the north side people on the south side are going to be mad and vice versa if i put it right in the middle Parking's a, so pain. parking's a pain and and then people are still driving a distance and so we just had to figure out based on all those other things where we can make it happen and it, it is what it is and then last but not least because you know when i'm in charge there's always going to be some fun element because i am the extrovert Kimberly's over here like hiding behind her hands like yes it's trivia night there'll be a pub crawl Let's Yay! Go! no but we I'll make sure later in my <laughs> but it's not only just fun outings, which we always do a dinner yeah, outing, yeah, yeah. but it's also entertaining moderators. We did had a bunch of panels, oh, yeah. but in, in Kimberly's hiding, but she has been one of our moderators for the funders panel. Heck yeah. um, and let me tell you, Kimberly is great at that, of being able to keep things on track, but also to have a little humor because there's, you know, you don't want to sit, even if it's great information, everybody's like, so the way you apply to our nonprofit, it, that's going to be So awful. no one's interested. No. So no having a good moderator is part of the fun too. Okay. It's also a skill building. I will also say meeting people, speaking in front of people, moderating, volunteer recruitment, leadership, all of these things can come into play as a result of volunteering for some sort of conference planning. So just keep that in mind if those are things where you want to grow. Oh, well, and it, that's what, I mean, a little sidebar here, but, you know, this season we have branched out a little bit and talked about things that certainly have tie-ins to grant, but are other of those skill sets. And the reason, yes, I volunteered and I wasn't getting paid for it, but I learned so much about leadership and it's something else I can put on my resume. So if that next job, any sort of planning, even if it's, I'm a plan writing a fundraising event, I may not have done that, but I've put on a conference and I can yeah. speak intelligently. And so, yeah. you know, these sorts of opportunities may... Stretch you, know, you. Yes, that's the whole. I'm all, I'm always about learning something new, and at some point, I'm not going to lead this anymore. I'm going to decide it's time to pass the torch, and that may be sooner rather than later because things are happening in other arenas that I want to check out and try out. But it's just, I'm one of these. I just anytime I can learn a new skill set, I feel like 
that's good for me. Even if all I realize is, like you with the fundraising, you're like, I learned I don't ever want to do I that spent again. Years but going, now you know. Yes. Right? Do I really hate this? Yes. Yes, I do. And now I know. But that was a good lesson to learn. So there we have it. Another way to learn your good lessons around conference planning is to do some surveys. So two basic ideas here. Do an overall survey, you know, about facilities, uh, there's going to be a, a there're going to be people who say weird things um like Amanda has a story of how someone she snorted I, think I just, just snorted sorry it no, happens we need to keep it yeah snorting and y'all someone wrote the snack bag the gift you know the little the little attendee gift caused me to eat too much okay it's time to take responsibility for yourself Okay, and, and to be a little fair, we gave out, we had sponsored snack bags to give. We had like a bottle of water, a can of Coke. Cause yeah, and we held a gun to everybody's head saying, eat and drink this. It was like Alice in Wonderland, but we were armed. No, yes. it wasn't at all. Yeah, I've, got someone, zero, I've got zero. I've got no time for that. Yeah, comment. someone's, the, the worst complaint we got was that you gave me a thousand calories first thing in the morning and I ate it all before lunch. Choices, people. Yes. Choices. choices. And those are the kinds of things I had to learn. We just wanted to bitch about it for a second because it gives us joy. But in the, in the, the room is too cold. You know what? If it wasn't too cold, then people would be complaining it's too hot. So some things you just have to step away and and understand that like, but there may be other things like, Hey, it wasn't handy. This wasn't wheelchair friendly. It wasn't handicap accessible or, you know what, without mics at the front of the room, it was too hard to hear. Those are the kinds of things that that overall survey will help you. Mm -hmm. But also we recommend after each speaker or workshop, do those individual surveys again, because that can help you decide, do you want to invite this person to speak again or just guide you on the subject matter for next year. Exactly. Or is that someone that you should never invite to an event ever because everybody fell asleep? So yeah, so feedback on surveys really help you plan and prepare for your next conference or event. So now that we've talked about kind of how we set things up, let's talk about a couple of lessons learned that we've experienced. Um, So the first thing is that uh, when it comes to your speakers, don't be afraid to ask, hey, are you willing to come in and teach a workshop for free? Because chances are, if you've got somebody local or if you have somebody that maybe hasn't been speaking a lot, they may be willing to do it for the experience. Or someone Um, who has a local family connection, if if they're coming in from out of state or out of the region, just as you you're starting your conference. As your conference grows, yes. you obviously want to build into your budget as you start to get more and more folks signed up. Then you want to really pay people for their time as much as you can or honorarium or travel costs and then maybe keynote speakers. And that's a whole nother ball of wax. Absolutely. And yeah, the chances are even even our first year, we were not getting keynote speakers for free. Yeah. Um, we were even pay. I actually, I think we did not an honorarium. We did, we we did had, travel expenses for yes. someone who was coming in from out of state. We did. And we also did um, people who worked for a nonprofit. We did a donation to their nonprofit as it than paying them, we paid their organization. Yeah, like an they, honorarium. Yeah, so just a little something. But yeah, don't be afraid to ask. But also, mm-hmm. don't be totally shocked if people are going to say my time is worth something. So you you've got to find that balance. And and trust me, some people are totally worth paying for, and that could be a big draw for your conference as well. So you got to balance that out. Yeah. The next thing I would say is 
most likely food is the single most expensive thing. Food. And of course, you've got to feed people because they're going to be there with you all day long. And, and you're going to have to force them to eat snacks so they can <laughs> write. I'm still bitter about that. I'm still bitter. Oh, so um, and so if you can find a place that allows you to bring in outside food um, of your choosing, um, that's how we found a cut down cost. We found a venue that was like... You know, we just had to run by who it was. They wanted mm-hmm. to make sure it was, you know, but we were able, we had Chick-fil-A for breakfast and that is good food, not expensive. Um, we've also done our events at hotels where we had a food and beverage minimum. And of course you're going to have that 26% and $2 cans of this, Coke. And, and, yeah. It's just, it starts to get kind of crazy and you realize, well, man, I got this whole space. I'm renting the room for $500, but I got to spend $7,000 to feed people. So just Ooh. know that that's going to be expensive. And another lesson learned, read carefully your venue contracts and ask questions and don't be afraid to push back and say, well, do we have to do this? Is this negotiable? It just is the right thing to do for the financial help of your company. Absolutely. Um, another big thing is your tech must work. If you, Kimberly, poor Kimberly has been at a big conference before when tech did not work. And of course, mm-hmm. she presented beautifully because she's good at what she does. But there's nothing worse than spending all that time creating a PowerPoint with information and that images. No one can and, pull up from yeah. four different sources and the mic doesn't work and you have a standing room only. Or you need internet access. Oh. And there's the internet's oh. not working. That's oh. it's just and it just it's it's bad all around. Your your attendees are not happy because they don't have access to what they need. Your speaker's not going to want to come back again. So we've learned, you know, the first year we did it, we were like, we don't need on-site tech assistant because that's yes, expensive. But we do you now. Do. I don't care how savvy you think you are. Trust me, weird things will happen. Another thing, I think we've kind of hinted at this one before is you will never please everyone. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, there's always, I don't care what you do. There's always going to be some people that are unhappy, whether it's just in their nature or whether may, they may have had a bad experience. But, you know, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm shooting for the masses, you know, as long as the majority of the people walk away going, that was worth my time and my money. I feel happy about that. And it's really true. Most of the feedback you're going to get is not going to be crazy like you forced me to eat snacks. It may be there, you know, I couldn't hear or the speaker sort of went off topic or something like that. Things you could change in the future. Things you could do to make things better. Yeah. I'd also encourage you to look for ways to raise money outside of the registration. um, Because if that's your only source of income, if that happens to be low one year, then you're kind of up a creek. Um, And so so things that we have done, um, we do a silent auction. And now mind you, this is not bringing in big money. This, I think every year we make about a thousand dollars off of our silent auction, but that, I mean, a thousand dollars for a conference that only cost us about $30,000. That's a no, nice chunk you of mean change. $3,000. 3000 Oh my gosh. I don't know where 3000 <laughs> came up. Yes. Probably more like four to 5000 okay. but, but yeah, but I mean, that's a nice chunk of change right there. And it does it. That's one of, one of our committees handles it. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's the return on investment is actually pretty decent for us there. Um, we've done ads mm-hmm. and booklets. We've done sponsorship packets. We, we've sold um, booth space for people to come and be vendors Um, and you just we've kind of played around with some different things we after it took us a couple years to kind of find our groove with sponsorships and ads and everything but I think we've kind of figured that out pretty well and it just helps offset um, some of the stress of oh my gosh do we have enough people registered it's just different it's it's diversifying your revenue streams which is always pies 
Charts. Okay. And then last but not least, I would say stretch yourself. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I really had no idea what I was doing. I cannot stress enough. I had never planned an event in my life other than, you know, my wedding, but we, I still had help with that. Right. And so, she got married and she's happily married. So still, it, it worked. It's 17 years later, we're still going strong. But anyway, um, and really none of us did. We, we did a lot of not, not even making it up as long, but pulling in those resources. Like I remember the first company I called asking, hey, would you be willing to sponsor? And they're like, well, what are you going to offer? Because <laughs> dummy didn't think about that. I was like, I'll get right back to you. So I went back to Kimberly, who has done something like that before. And I'm like, help, I got to create a sponsorship packet. What does that even look like? And we created one and it worked and they were our first big sponsor and have sponsored us actually every year since then because we built up that relationship. So don't be afraid to try something new. You might find you like it. And a quick note about sponsorships. If someone says, well, what are you going to give me? You can always say what's important to you and then hush and listen and they'll tell you. And then that can be your sponsorship packet. I'm just saying. Yes. And I would say too, a side note, we learned sometimes it's not always money that they're giving us. We have had agencies give us things to silent, to use at the silent auction that. that we know are going to bring in some cash. And so there's, you know, don't box yourself in as especially again, going back to what's being an all volunteer, we get creative to get the job done. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing. So Amanda, yes, ma'am. you have enlightened us with your conference planning acumen Just to cut. under your belt, all the experience that you have, what you're working on now. Well, funny you should ask. Oh, that is funny. I know. <laughs> it's not funny, haha. It's just funny. Interesting. Oh, our segues, they're so good. <laughs> um, the Georgia chapter, actually, we have been doing the Southern Regional Grant Conference pretty much on our own as a chapter, even though we called it Southern Regional, because um, we, we had big plans for the future. Um, and it's come to fruition. Yes, this year, is. we are partnering with both the North Carolina and the South Carolina chapters of the Grant Professionals Association. So the 2020 conference is going to be in Greenville, South Carolina on April 23rd and 24th. Um, and so we, it's a, you know, three different boards. So we're hoping to grow and expand and bring in new speakers. And and uh, we'll both be there with yes. some sort of podcasty thing going oh, down absolutely. for sure. Absolutely. So. so we hope to see you there. Yep. And to learn more about the conference, um, you can visit the Georgia Grant Professionals Association website, which is www.ggpa.org. I don't believe there's anything just this second, but should be in the upcoming months. If they're, so, yeah, stay just tuned. Stay tuned. Watch this space. Yes. Thank you again to our Season 2 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. We appreciate their support in making grants less stressful. Visit their website, www.dhleonardconsulting.com, to learn more. So remember, there is no specific college degree in grant writing or fundraising, but there are a lot of good people with experience to share, their training programs, and all kinds of other ways to learn. And we hope that this podcast will be one of your favorite ways to learn. We'd love for you to stay tuned for upcoming episodes this season, including our next discussion about the book, Decolonizing Wealth. 
In fact, we're kind of super stoked to share that it's not just us talking about this book. Although who wouldn't want to listen to well, us talk about yes. the book? Um, but we actually have the author who is going Edgar to Edgar Villanueva will be there, not in the house, but on the line, as they say. On the line, I like it. So we're going to be interviewing him about this book, Decolonizing Wealth. Fantastic read, thought-provoking, hope to have you listen in. Yep. If you haven't read it yet, you should go grab yourself a copy today. Until next time, our friends. Bye.